Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America College podcast, along with Jim Schoeder and Mike Lanana. I'm John Manuel. Brought to you with all of our college coverage by Louisville Slugger. Visit them on Instagram or on Twitter, at Slugger Nation. Those things are unchanged despite last week's big news. And you can go to our Facebook page of Baseball America, and there was a lot of lively conversation there, speaking of Louisville Slugger, about the sale of the brand name last week to Wilson. So we welcome your feedback on that. It's good to see people. People have strong feelings about their baseball equipment, and I, and I, I kind of appreciate that more and more the longer I'm here. So uh, I think the Louisville Slugger people love the interaction and the loyalty people have to their brand. It was really evident last week. But guys, uh, people are very loyal, and their loyalty is evident for the brands in college sports. And people definitely love to root for laundry. And if you're in the Southeastern Conference, you have a lot of good laundry to root for in college baseball. And we have a little change at the top of our rankings, guys. And uh, LSU losing its first series of the year at home to Kentucky kind of opened things up for us in some lively debate. And Mike and Jim, you guys, you could have, you could have had a point-counterpoint. You guys were on opposite <laughs> sides of this. I think I jumped back and forth between both sides, but... We basically didn't even debate LSU, but LSU, Vanderbilt, and Texas A&M, Texas A&M were our top three teams last weekend. LSU's the only one that's lost a series. They lost a series recently. So really the debate wound up being between Vanderbilt and Texas A&M. Jim, you had the A&M side of the debate. Mike, you are on the Vanderbilt side of the debate. Vanderbilt wound up winning out in this debate. What's kind of, the, I guess, the case, Jim, the counterpoint case for Texas A&M, which is uh, number two in our newest rankings? Well, so, I mean, starts off with the fact they're 22, 27 and two. They haven't, still have not had a losing weekend. Um, kind and of just amazing. look at their. I mean, obviously they did play a soft schedule first three weeks, but the last four weeks they played good competition every weekend. They went three and zero with the Houston College Classic, beat you know Nebraska, who we have ranked now, um, Houston, who's ranked, and and then they they beat Baylor. Obviously Baylor's not that not that great, but still a Big Twelve team. Um, and you know the conference schedules are fairly. Uh, Comparable, but I mean, I think, but we do think. Uh, I mean, it's my opinion anyway. Was it? I mean, uh, A and M played a, a tougher conference schedule. I mean, they both played Auburn, but um, obviously A and M just beat Missouri, who's just beat South Carolina the week before. And, and so Missouri's a quality team. Yeah, quality, quality week, especially the starting pitching. You know, mm-hmm. Missouri's as you guys talked to. Mm-hmm. Which one of you guys talked to? The Tim Davis. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean. That's a that's a veteran weekend mm-hmm. rotation and, and some power arms there as well. And you would think they kind of had an advantage mm-hmm. on the mound going into the weekend with AM and it didn't really play out that way. Exactly. And and so they they take care of that, they win that series, they swept uh, Auburn, which I mean Vandy lost the game to Auburn. Granted that was on the road, but uh in, in the um the other series that uh, AM played was uh, flicking who their other uh, conference opponent was. Oh yeah, um, Alabama. They won series out of Alabama, who's a you know, it's going to be a regional team at least. Where uh, uh, Vandy's other series was against home against Arkansas, who's not, the not same. so much. But um, so, but anyway, so yeah, last four weeks, AM's played quality teams. Vandy, beat, Vandy has had one losing weekend. Did the Dodger Town? No, I mean, if you know, if, if AM played in that series, maybe they would have a losing weekend too. I mean, I think we do. I do kind of grant that we. That I think Vanderbilt is more talented, and if they played on a neutral field, would probably take Vanderbilt. But um, but in terms of resume. If we're just grading them on resumes, which at this point in the season we pretty much are, then I think, uh, I mean, I kind of like A&M's a little better. I, th- I think there's a good case to be made there, and I think you made the case fairly well. A&M's resume in SEC play, they're 7-2 and two in the league. It's a little stronger, a little more impressive to me than Vanderbilt's 7-2 and two in the league. That said, I think what wound up kind of carrying the day, Mike, is that Vanderbilt's pretty good. You know, <laughs> they, had the ones, they had the one rough weekend. They're 22-6, and six, is pretty good, and they were already ahead 
So I, really, I guess it was harder to make the case for A&M to kind of to jump them. But the other part of this uh, debate kind of is the talent debate. I think that's you know where it really starts for Vanderbilt is even the game they lost this weekend, Walker Bueller pitched really well in that game himself. Didn't walk anybody, pitched into the sixth inning, didn't give up any earned runs. I know Gabe did give up five runs, but at the top of their lineup is just keeps performing, whether it's Wiseman or Reynolds or Wheel or Dansby Swanson. Will Toffey homered for the first time this weekend. Yeah, so and, and then and that's the other part. So Will Toffey's been pretty consistent, pretty decent. Now Tyler Campbell has a you know, kind of helped someone a game offensively. It seems like they're the longer this goes, Toffey and Kendall are freshmen. These guys are talented freshmen. So the more we go into the year, big shock, Vanderbilt's pretty good at player development too. Their lineup just keeps getting a little bit deeper, and we've seen their pitching depth already in play this year. Yeah, I think, I mean, I could certainly see the argument for Texas A&M based on the resume this year, but I think part of part of the reason why I went with Vanderbilt is you just look at the, the potential of this team, you look at how far they're going to go, you look at their ceiling, and you really there really isn't a better team in the country. I mean, obviously LSU is right there, but... I mean, Vanderbilt, you look at their rotation. Carson Fulmer has been outstanding. Walker Bueller is getting back into form. You know, even Jordan Sheffield now in that rotation. He's a, he's a great arm on that. It's a pretty good arm. Role. It's a pretty good it's, Sunday, a yeah. pretty good number three starter arm. Yeah, so they're, they're so stacked in the, the top of that lineup. But I, I know, obviously, Dansby Swanson is the guy who, who, who gets all the, all the headlines. But Reisman has been fantastic this year. I had a scout who... Uh, was really high on him. Thought he thought he was been great this year, and uh, you know I, I don't know. I just if if you look at Vanderbilt and Texas A and M matched up in a in a three game series, I would I would pick Vanderbilt to win just based on the talent on those two teams. That that uh, that's a good question. That's a very tough question of uh, who would be favored in that weekend series. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with A and M's pitching. I mean, that's it, big... it hasn't caught up with them yet. You kind of. Or waiting for it too. I mean, you lose two. You, know, you lose Stubblefield before the year. Now without Minter, I mean, Grayson Long's been great, and Matt Kent's pitched in really well. But you know, well, that's kind of the one different. You know, that's you just kind of wait and see where that happens with you know how that holds up, and you just kind of haven't seen that team in person. It's, uh, I mean, they can really hit, but they're kind of they're. I would say Vanderbilt's definitely more athletic. Um, you know, A and M's. I mean, they do have some. I mean, obviously Nick Banks is. Very athletic, you know, really, you know, real quality prospect and all. But I mean, they, they, I'd say that team is more good college hitters, right? As opposed to Vandy is, you know, more more draft guys, more prospecty for sure. And both teams go on the road this coming weekend, and they don't play in the regular season. Uh, they're not on each other's schedule. It's going to happen when you have a fourteen team Southeastern Conference. is going to happen a lot. But uh, Texas A and M, I just was on their schedule page, and I've already navigated away. That was stupid. Vanderbilt's at Georgia this weekend. So Red you know, Hot Georgia. Red Hot Georgia, which already has home series wins against Florida State no, I, and South Carolina. I thought Carolina. about putting them on the uh, our watch list for the top 25. It kind of held off, at least for now. But um, They snuck on. They kind of snuck onto the back of the watch yeah. list this weekend. But then, you know, Kentucky is uh, A&M's at Kentucky next weekend. And Kentucky, just coming off a series win at LSU. And Kentucky's, you know, they're pretty battle-tested as any team. They're on the watch list exactly. this week for the top, on our tracker. And uh, they've played 12 games against top 25 competition. They're 5-7 and seven in those games. So both those series, I think, present really good road tests for these top two teams. Guys, kind of what went wrong with LSU this weekend? It seems like it was a bullpen failure one day and just a, kind of also some credit to, uh, to Kentucky this weekend with a classic Sunday SEC slugfest. Uh, 
I know, what's your takeaway, guys, from, from this weekend with LSU? Anything that concerns you or worries you? I mean, Jake Godfrey getting uh, not making it through two innings, I guess, kind of stands out to me a little bit, Mike. Yeah, that that concerns me a little bit, but I mean, like you said, Sundays a lot of times in the SEC, especially, are going to be slugfests. You know, I I look at it at, for me, I look at it as just an off weekend for right. LSU more than anything. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. And you look, and Alex Lang had another excellent outing. Jared Poche was excellent again on Friday, and they're going to hit. And you know, I I I just don't. I'm not concerned with with this weekend. I, I think you give credit to Kentucky for for a good series win, and they're certainly on the radar for us. But I think LSU is going to be fine. You know, you only have three more home series for LSU in conference play. The rest of the time, they got four series left on the road. So that's going to be interesting to watch with that team because uh, when you lose a home series, it does kind of make things a little bit uphill. They have to play A and M later this year. I think that sticks out to me, guys, in the SEC West. You've got A&M and LSU, uh, both in our top three. A&M's already opened a two-game lead on LSU. Not that winning the division necessarily matters that much, but it's better than not winning the division. Um, But then you're looking at the rest of the conference. Um, Arkansas, Alabama, and Ole Miss, all three of those teams are within two games of 500. Uh, Mississippi State has a gaudy overall record, but they've lost their last three conference series. They're three and six in the league, and Auburn's three and six in the league. Jimmer, I get the sense that you feel like Alabama is maybe the best team of, the, of that group, maybe has the, one of the better resumes. We know Ole Miss has had a very good, uh, difficult schedule. They've got some good wins, some quality wins, and some quality losses on that schedule for the Rebels. Obviously, we like Mississippi State coming into the year. They have not rewarded our faith in them. Thanks a lot, Bulldogs. Um, but what, who's the third best team in the SEC West? I put it to you first, Jim Schonard. Uh, is it Auburn? Is it Alabama? Is it Ole Miss? Is it the Bulldogs? I think we probably don't think it's Arkansas. No. I mean... That's a tough call. I feel like it should be Mississippi State, but I mean, they have been, what, four... I mean, they have not won a series yet. An actual conventional weekend series. Right. And they were shut out back-to-back games by Auburn this weekend. That's pretty concerning. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I like Alabama's... I mean, we liked Alabama's talent. They've got, especially on the mound, they haven't pitched that well yet. I mean, they're... I mean, they haven't been bad, but they haven't just haven't really, you know, lit it up yet. But I mean, we like some of those, some of the arms they have there, and we love we love we love Mike Mikey White's been doing his part. He's hitting over four hundred, but uh, kind of the rest of that lineup's got to pick it up a little bit. But um, Mikey White's had a great I mean, year so far. And I was talking to a scout. I just did a piece on the shortstop class, the college shortstop class, as part of our uh, our draft notebook last issue. And uh, my, I guess my Kyle Holder man crush has gotten pretty obvious to people, so I've talked to some scouts about that. And I was talking to a guy about Mikey White, and he was very skeptical about Mikey White's offensive ability, the pro level, with a very high hands in his stance. He's kind of got a dead start; doesn't really have a big trigger. All that guy's done is hit, though. You know, everybody loves this guy from a makeup standpoint, and he's really done a nice job uh, offensively. That team. Uh, does not have the deepest lineup. I mean, they've got a couple of outs in the lineup right now. Georgie Salem's really had a disappointing season for them. There's a lot of strikeouts in that lineup. So it's a little bit surprising. They've actually kind of not been the team we thought they'd be. I thought they'd be a much more offensive yeah, we had them team. Yeah, borderline preseason top 25 team. Yeah. Because of the they were one of our eight for Omaha last yeah. year. I think we thought they'd be a really good offensive team, and you kind of have to see if the pitching developed. The pitching's been all right, but the offense really hasn't, gotten to the point that we mm-hmm. thought it would be for Alabama. Like you said, Mikey White's kind of the star of that team. He yeah. gets a lot of the attention, 
um, but it hasn't quite gone that way. Casey Houston's had a great year, but outside of those two guys, not a lot of consistent offensive performance for the Crimson Tide. Just kind of looking time. through a few of these things. I mean, I kind of touched on this in weekend preview. I mean, you know, RPI is rarely an issue for SEC teams, but I mean, got Arkansas is outside. The, I mean, Mississippi State's outside the top hundred right now on uh, Warren Nolan. Um, was it because they played all these all those home games? Which Mississippi State and Arkansas, one, Arkansas are both is, outside the top hundred. That I that mean, is really surprising. And you know, Ole Miss's strength of schedule will be they're They just basically just have to finish over 500 as long as they're because they'll, they'll be up there because they actually did play a good schedule. So does Alabama. But I mean, you know, Mississippi State. I mean, they're down there at uh, where they're 120 something. Right. Um, you know, they played all those home games. First four. I mean, that series at Alabama last week was the first time they left home all year. And I mean, that's gonna hurt them. It <laughs> that's is gonna, gonna hurt them a lot. I mean, yeah, ha- I please hammer, don't hurt them. But uh, yeah. the com- but the the conference schedule really has to help them. Yeah. Because the non-conference definitely left them in trouble. And you have a very intriguing next weekend series mm-hmm. with South Carolina going to Mississippi State. Yeah, that's two and desperate teams. They are. There should be some real desperation there, Mike, because yeah. South Carolina. I listened to some of them driving home Sunday from <laughs> South Florida. That was and, and the Gamecocks really mixed things up this week, losing that series at home to Georgia. So it's the first time they've lost a series at home to Georgia since 1994. How long ago is that? I was in college. That's how long ago that is. I was not at either of those colleges. But uh, number two, they really mixed their lineup up. Clark Scalamero or Scalamero got his first start in a long time. Uh, Gene Cohn, Jordan Gore, they kind of mixed up the top of their lineup. Uh, Jack Weinkoop came out of the bullpen, lineup getting the save there. Uh, we've kind of talked about their, their bullpen issues I think South Carolina showed a little desperation by jostling the lineup and mixing things up there. Uh, this is really a uh, – I'm fascinated by this weekend series, the South Carolina-Mississippi State series. Kind of, Mike, what's your take on – I'm kind of shifting to the east, but South Carolina and Georgia, what what's up the most to you about that series and uh, kind of this SEC in general here? Yeah, well, South Carolina is still looking for, you know, a win against a quality opponent. They haven't, yeah. they haven't gotten it so far this year, and – uh, I know I really like them in the preseason. We all like them in the preseason. We had them up to uh, number eight, I believe, at, at some point this year, too. There's yeah. they have a lot of talent on that team. It's just I think it is figuring out the lineup and the right con- configuration in that group. They have a lot of guys who, you know, like Matt Shra- Max Schrock hasn't hit to, to his capability. And I know Destino has cooled off a bit for, for them after getting off to a hot start. And, yeah. you know, they, they do need to figure things out, you know, in the back end of that bullpen, too. Um, we, talk, we talked about that last week on yeah. the podcast. We had that question, and then all of a sudden, so Tyler Widener blows it at midweek, blows a game against Coastal yeah. Carolina, uh, winds up getting the loss there. Uh, I, I guess I shouldn't say it was him. It was Reed Scott, who I think was credited with giving up the two runs in the bottom of the eighth at Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. Went up time that game with, but he pitched well. The first four plus in the first four innings was the it was the plus part of that four plus that wound up giving up those runs. But they had they had a lead. They couldn't protect it in that game. They wind up moving Scott to the weekend rotation, putting Weinkoop in the closer role, kind of like in a moment of truth guy, their most experienced guy. It's kind of the Mississippi State approach to handling your pitching staff. So it's kind of stunning. Like you said, I think the offensive troubles have been part of that. But they, they just haven't really played a complete series yet, Mike. I think you bring up a good point. They just don't really have an impressive series win on the resume. I'm not sure that, uh, you know, really, I think for South Carolina, you're at the point where you're kind of wondering, can they host a regional? Right now, they really don't have a great case yeah. for it. Their RPI is in the 50s. This is There should be some real desperate teams. It's going to be teams. fascinating to see. we got these four teams at the top. 
I mean, can they all get national seeds? I mean, that seems unlikely. Right. You got to think but, I mean, one of those that, teams is probably going to drop, drop back. But I mean, but then yeah, other than I mean, there may not be another host. May not be another host in that uh, out of the SEC, which is which would be low for them to only have four. It would be. It would be unusual for them to have. Uh, well, it'd be, yeah, it'd be uh, crazy to have four national seeds. Not crazy. It'd be significant and imp- I'm impressive. Pretty sure it's unprecedented. I'll have to go through the history books. but I, uh, I think it probably has happened there have one been, time. There have been three, and I think there was one year where all three from the SEC East had one. Right. I don't know if there's ever been four from uh Well, I think Florida, I think Florida they came through a nice test this weekend. They mm-hmm. lost, losing the opener to Alabama, but then coming back and winning the series. Mm-hmm. Getting, a, uh, getting Logan Shore bouncing back, because that's, that's a big for them. That was huge. He gives up no home runs this week yeah, after exactly. all the, <laughs> the bevy he's he given up the, the ballpark. He did. Yeah. And um, A.J. Puck doing kind of riding the ship a bit out of the, the bullpen was encouraging but that now they have, they have to go back on the road so when they've gone on the road this Mighty year Missouri that's Missouri. it they, they haven't played great on the road they lost a game at UCF when they played on the road they lost the series at Ole Miss on the road now they'll go to Mizzou we'll see what the weather's like in Colum- the other Columbia um, I don't know how the SEC has like two Bulldogs three Tigers and two Columbias for crying out loud I mean, even their even their cities are uh, repeating each other as the league extends its footprint but uh, you had a nice midweek matchup coming up tomorrow with Florida and Florida State. But Mizzou with a creditable uh, performance this mm-hmm. weekend at Texas A&M. But in Missouri and Florida, the winner of that series kind of has a leg up on being a regional host. I would imagine both could be. Missouri has one of the smaller ballparks in the SEC, and from an attendance standpoint, it's not great. But if Missouri wins this series against Florida, they have an inside track to being one of those regional hosts. So that, that's a fascinating one to look at. And um, does, I, I'm wondering, Mike, we, I know Jim has talked about a decent amount. Is there an SEC West team out of that mix of teams that are all under 500 in the league that stands out to you that's the best team out of that group? I do like Ole Miss. I, I think, I mean, they've played a very competitive schedule so far. I mean, they're 14-14 and 14 right now on the season, so, you know, it's tough to, to put them in the top 25 of that kind of record, but... I think the schedule that they've played and the success that they've had, and they do have some talent on that roster. I, I, I do like that, you know, Errol Robinson is short, and J.B. Woodman out out in center, and Sykes Orvis, a, a nice veteran bat in the middle of the lineup. I, great yeah. mustache. Great mustache. <laughs> really a great stash an extra game. power. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a plus-plus stash tool. But <laughs> He does. Uh, the, they need to figure out a, a Sunday starter. Um I mean, Brady Bramlett has been great coming back from surgery, and Kristen Trent's a, you know, a quality college arm in right. front of that rotation, a quality left-hander. But they haven't really found a, a guy on Sunday. Sam Smith has really struggled for them this year. He he had been dealing with a hernia last year, and plus he lost a lawsuit. I mean, really, it's a bit of a rough month for Sam Smith. Sorry, other oh, Sam yeah, Smith. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, just trying to drop a little pop culture, and not not usually my my bailiwick of. 21st century pop culture. It's usually 20th century. John, don't do me like that. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I can't even give you a Sam Smith impersonation. I, I know the "Stay with Me." That's his big song, right? That's the one he ripped Sick. off from. Yeah. From Tom Petty, right? Yeah. So, and Tom won't back down. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the thing about Tom. Oh, that's well played. I think those work better on Twitter than they do on a podcast. I could be wrong. <laughs> Let us know at podcast at baseballamerica.com about uh, Mike's pan, Mike's pun game is very strong in, on, on, on Twitter. I think it worked well here, though. That was that was well played. Thank you. Well played. I appreciate it. I'm well-versed in Tom Petty songs. So. You are better than, better than I am. I was going to say that Ole Miss, uh, the thing that jumps up to me, uh, and I wish I could play off Sam Smith again, but I can't. They can't hit. 
Right. Um, they can't hit, and it's really weird to see the spread of teams in, in, in college baseball. Some of the teams really have offensive numbers that look like they used to look, like Wake Forest <laughs> has crazy offensive numbers that look like the pre-BB core era. Yeah. UCF. UCF. Yeah. They pound the ball insane. all the time. Yeah. Ole Miss looks like, you know, dead ball Stuck era. in 2014, come on. Yeah. They're hitting 245 <laughs> as a team overall, and in their three uh, league series, they're hitting 227. You know, they're, they're scoring four runs a game in league games. I mean, that's probably not going to get it done. I would imagine it's not going to. Probably not. Stay that bad? Yeah. So. I would I would think there's, with the talent on that roster, I would think they would start hitting a little better. But, you know, they may not. It's, I, I would think tough. they would get, I would think they would get better. They, them and Auburn have really struggled the most offensively in the league. And it's just, uh, it's a little startling just to see that, that I, I've always thought of Ole Miss as a very physical offensive team, a, a team with some real big bats. And that's just not what they've done uh, this year. I mean, clearly last year's Omaha team it's necessarily walking through that door. They did lose a lot of guys, but like the guys that you mentioned, um, you know, I like their athleticism. I like their, I, I like their roster. It just hasn't uh, really hasn't come through for them yet offensively. So I, I'm I'm fascinated by how the SEC is uh, really quite ordinary in its depth this year outside that top tier of teams. And, and I guess Georgia is Jim, the other team that's kind of. Made some noise this mm-hmm. year. Uh, Georgia and Missouri really are the two teams in the SEC that have kind of exceeded expectations to this part. Exactly. This I mean, I've seen Missouri has been kind of, uh, you know, when I was writing them up the other day or for last week, it was kind of, I thought about it paralleling, you know, they've made their mark in, in football where they've won the uh, SEC East the last two years, if I, uh, if I recall right. But they've kind of, I mean, basically they've been the doormat in baseball. I mean, last year they were 6-24, and 24, and then I think they won 10 games their, their first year. But, um yeah, we, we used so. to get the Mizzou uh, football uh, gear in here with uh, Clint Longnecker. Oh, that's right. Uh, family friends with the Pinkle family, I believe. Gary Pinkle, the football coach. So uh, we, we used to get our uh, – if you needed a, Mar- a Missouri football update, you'd get it from Clint Longnecker at the drop of a hat. So, but, but, yeah, um, they've been they've Yeah, I mean, been they've good. got uh, – also, they got they only brought in some some fresh talent on the on the mound with uh, Reggie McLean and, and Tanner Houck. Their freshman's been outstanding. Um you know, and, and you just kind of like some of the, the guys in that uh, that lineup. I mean, it's it's you know, it's not a, a great offensive team, and they still have that uh, they still have that black mark of getting swept at home by Wisconsin Milwaukee. Right. Uh, um, other than that, I mean, it's I mean they've been solid. I mean, that's the one bad weekend. But other than that, they have been pretty consistent. And, and what sticks out to me about Georgia is Georgia's doing it with Robert Tyler injured. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, had the uh, elbow strain, so he's been out of the weekend rotation. Um, and they've had other guys kind of step forward, like Jared Walsh and Ryan Lawler, both pitching very, very well. Uh, Jared Cheek's been solid out of their bullpen, and their bullpen's been pretty good. And then you're looking at offensively. I mean, Stephen Wren was kind of a tour de force this weekend, let off a game with a home run, stole some bases, got 16 steals on the year. I mean, he was a big deal recruit for them, and he's kind of starting to step forward for, for this team. So I'm really – that's the thing that I guess that stands out the most to me about Georgia is that if you ask me to name one Georgia player before the year was Robert Tyler – you know, I had an evaluator tell me before the season he thought Robert Tyler was the closest thing to Steven Strasburg in the country this year. That that was the guy with the electric arm, the body, the future pro potential. He was really going to step forward the most in the uh, in, in the country this year. And he's been banged up, and they go and they still, uh, you know, they got swept by Missouri. Uh, so that mm. that doesn't yeah, help. But since then, they've won five out of six. Obviously, that's looking that's looking better for Missouri now. It's to, uh, to their credit. Exactly. So, uh 
you know, Georgia, very strange uh, to look at their schedule for the year. They're five and one in the SEC on the road in league play, and zero and three. It is tough to do, and zero and three at home. It's a little rivalry game That's also this tough week. To do. Uh, it's, it's and and they, they got to get better this week because they've got four home games this week and Georgia Tech and Vanderbilt are those uh, those four games. So uh, not going to get uh, it doesn't, the schedule never gets a lot of e- a lot easier. Next week they're midweek against Clemson. They still have Georgia Tech. That is easy. Clemson. Now <laughs> joke joke well made and it gives us a good transition, a good segue to the Atlantic Coast Conference because the ACC seems similarly top heavy guys mm-hmm. right now. And at the top is Louisville, and Louisville. Uh, making it look very easy in their first year in the league, guys. And uh, Kyle Funkhauser pitches well this weekend. Brendan McKay's kind of making his freshman of the year case. Yeah. Um, you know, Florida State another strong weekend for the Seminoles. I guess the biggest weekend in the league really was Miami because they go on the road against a, another considered top team in the ACC, and they take down North Carolina two out of three this weekend. Seems like Miami wins two out of three against North Carolina every year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just. It feels like that's their shtick. They're always the thorn in Carolina's side every year. It's always some kind of Miami trip or Miami coming there that derails them. They have been. And the ACC Coastal kind of looks a little bit like the SEC West right now where you've got Miami at the top, but they're the only team over 500 in league play. Um, are, are Miami, Louisville, and Florida State the top three strongest contenders, I guess, for uh, hosting in the ACC? Is there a fourth, Jimmer? Uh, can NC I mean, State even be wonder... that fourth? Well, I mean, if, if I threw if they you can, off, yeah. I threw you off with the NC State yeah. uh, reference. <laughs> it catched me a little off guard, but I mean, if they obviously they have a huge opportunity this week with uh, FSU coming to town. I mean, FSU was uh, pretty much owned state over the last few years, even when the, uh, yeah, the Carlos mean, Rodon, Trey Turner days. Even those guys couldn't get it done against the uh, the Knowles. But remember uh, last year, early in the that ACC's, was the first real red flag. For, that was they went down there and got swept. They didn't but, just uh, swept. They got like man. Yeah, they got. Yeah, they got. Pretty much crushed in those uh, three games. I think. Well, I guess one, I think they had one game where they lost the next innings. But um, anyway, that, so yeah, that was kind of the first uh, real uh, warning flag for that team. But um, I mean, I was like, so like I was saying, I mean, so the, but it is a big opportunity for for the Wolf Pack. I mean, I mean, seventeen and nine, I mean, they're seventeen and nine. That's a pretty solid record. I mean, they're uh, you know about their best series win. I mean, that series went over Clemson. Also. <laughs> Yeah, also, Sorry to keep making jokes at Clemson's expense. But, uh, <laughs> they kind of deserve I mean, but, it right um, now. I think their fans probably are with you that yeah, I mean, they that, have not gotten That's not done. looking so hot. I mean, a lot of calls for Liggett's job yeah, from Clemson but, fans. Uh, it really is. And, you know, um, that's college athletics these days. It's uh, you don't. It used to be a kind of thing where you, if you had any success in your past as a college coach, you kind of got to write your ticket of when you left, and that's just not the way yeah. things are anymore. But Clemson, thirteen and thirteen now yeah. overall, uh, under five hundred in the league, and again they had that series win against South CAC, and really since then uh, it's been pretty miserable. And they lost a home series to, to Wake Forest this weekend, and you know North Carolina now kind of a those are two desperate teams, I think uh, going at it next weekend because uh, neither one's gotten gotten right. Jim, I'll go back to state like who this fourth team is. Mm-hmm. If NC State's going to be that fourth team, it's going to be because of its offense. Wolfpack exactly. really can hit this year. They can. I mean, you know, we, Joe Denan obviously got A Rod's little nephew there. I mean, I think he's a talented freshman. Uh, kind Brock, of won his Brock, third uh, job back. Won the third base job mm-hmm. back basically in the last week, week and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of uh, sat him a little bit. Now he responds with some power. Mm-hmm. And I was like Andrew Kisner, kind of the the one name guy they had back from last year, who's kind of gotten off to a little bit of a little bit of a slow start, if I recall right. But uh, yeah, no, he's, a, he's I mean, it's kind of expect him to get going. Obviously, he's learning catching, so 
that's kind of that you kind of expect his offense to take a little step back. But uh, you also see, you know, they have the best name in the country now in Brock Deathrage. Yeah, <laughs> I think you say Deathridge, but yeah, we, he's Deathrage in the office here. But, yes, uh, as he always will be. He, he, I mean, that's a dude that can really run. I mean, so I mean, they've they've got some talent. We'll see, you know, other. Pitching holds up, I and mean, we and Corey Wilder's a good arm. We'll see what he does this week. Um, it's a Friday night yeah. ACC arm. It's not a Friday night AC, ACC not, pitch ability. Yeah, and obviously he's still kind of uh, a bit unproven. I mean, was, I mean, obviously he's he wasn't even a factor last year, if I recall yeah, right. Yeah, nine, nine innings and I mean, uh, nine innings last year, and he's you know he's he's just a sometimes when he's going well, it's effectively wild. Mm-hmm. When he's not, it's just wild, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of so really NC State's weekend pitching staff. That's a big test for them against Florida yeah. State. I mean, you just Which saw it last week. Yeah, kind of. You know, we wondered about it. You know, who is going to help DJ Stewart? It's they're, they're finding the answers as they as they usually do. Well, yeah, they had that eleven run inning. <laughs> this, I mean, this I will say they weekend. were. I watched the end of their game yesterday with the uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, they were a strike away from losing that game, losing the series. And uh, you know, I think it was uh, Josh Delph hits a little bouncer to Alex Perez, the the Hokies' normally uh, reliable senior second baseman, and he just kind of throws it throws <laughs> it over the first baseman's head and lets two runs score to uh, lose oh. the game for the. I like the, uh, the uh, I like the, I like the, um, the sound effect though. We need a, a sound bit. effect board to shoop. But, uh, <laughs> it's a very so quiet uh, shoop on that bad throw because Alex yeah. Perez is like a Sports Center. Mainstay. I've exactly. seen him on Sports Center top ten a few times. But, uh, the Hokies almost with their second uh, giant killing weekend after they uh, swept UVA a couple weeks ago. But uh, anyway, so yeah, that's a this is a big weekend for state. You know, looking kind of against some of the other teams. I mean, you know, Virginia gets back on track, but they go and sweep Notre Dame, who had uh, had been playing pretty well. So I mean, I mean, the Cavs could they could. I don't think that it's not too late for them to get back into this hosting race. I mean, they kind of. There's been some damage done, but uh, there's, there's enough time for them to make up for it. And That's enough, what it seems like, Enough guys. quality series left. They can like, get, kind of get going on. They still feel like they're kind of finding themselves again. feels like Florida State, you know, I mean, Florida State, Louisville, Miami, pretty um, as, long, as long as they don't collapse, they're in very good shape. NC State, Wake Forest, North Carolina, Virginia, those four teams, and Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, I guess I said throw in there as well. It's like one of those teams ha- could still emerge to be a regional host. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who we think the best bet of those teams is, but history, recent history, would probably tell us to bank on Virginia and that it have a nice bounce back uh, uh, weekend this weekend. I think, I mean, looking at Virginia coming into the season, especially once they lost McCarthy, you could kind of sense that they're going to have some ups and downs just with how young they are. You know, they were going to go through some tough stretches, so it didn't necessarily surprised me to see them struggle the last couple of weeks, but they really did need a bounce back week this week, and, and they got it. I mean, going into Notre Dame and winning that series, that's... Vander, I mean, Notre Dame had really been hitting. Yeah. You know, they've been hitting against you know, pretty good teams that were pitching better on paper than Virginia had been pitching, but... Uh, right. They, they, Virginia, it seems like Virginia, uh, after struggling on the mound last week against Florida State, really got things right this weekend. Well, you know, it was... After that last game against Florida State, you know all the all those pitchers were running up and down the the stands as as punishment for all the walks that they had. And you look at you look at the three starters this weekend: Kirby just just two walks and in six innings; Jones just two walks and in seven point two innings; Waddell just two walks and in five point one innings, which is you know a, a, a substantial improvement over what they did last weekend when that staff combined to walk thirty four Seminoles, which is a staggering number number even for a, a patient Seminoles team so 
you know, I, I didn't expect that to be a, a continuing problem for them. They're, those pitchers are too good. Right. Too talented. You know, it's 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 the top rotation in the ACC, I, I, I still think, and one of the best in the country. And, you know, as long as they're pitching well, they're always going to be in it. They're always going to be in the mix, I feel like. And if they can get McCarthy back healthy at some point and they can get Adam Hazley to, to heat up, he had a home run this weekend and had a nice right. weekend. If he could hit up and, and live up to his potential along with what Pavin Smith is doing in his freshman year and Matt Theis has, has had a, a breakout sophomore season, you have a, a decent core in that lineup too where you mix in that excellent pitching with a little thump in the middle of the lineup and I think they'll be okay. I think they're in better shape. We, I know we've talked about North Carolina a lot this year, uh, one of the reasons being that they're local, but uh, two excruciating kind of losses for them to uh, Miami, games that they were leading and yeah. lost. Um, we'll see if Riley Hovis comes back. I think there was talk he was going to be back for the Miami series, but obviously he was not. It feels like that's the big question for North Carolina is their bullpen. Right. Trevor Kelly leads the country in appearances. They can't pitch him every day, every inning of the bullpen. Someone else has to... Get it done back there. Is, is Trent Thornton in your mind, Mike? Is he just a little, I don't know, baked is the right word? I mean, I hate to be harsh, but I mean, he just, he's been used in, a multi, uh, in multiple roles this year, and he hasn't been necessarily very good in either one. Do they have a plan B in their bullpen right now? Well, I mean, even even Mike Fox was really harsh about Trent Thornton this weekend. I, I asked him after he blew the save on Friday night, you know, what's what's the deal with Trent? He's just like, he's not the same Trent Thornton. It's, it's pretty evident that he's not the same Trent Thornton that he was. And you watch them, the the stuff looks like it's down a tick. Yeah, it just did not look as explosive on. Yeah, I was there on Saturday, and just he did not look explo- like the same guy we've seen last yeah. couple of years. We've always had the scouts worry about that. So it's, you know, it's a very exaggerated delivery. It's a very arm, long arm action with the stab down, and that it takes. It's not that it wouldn't take very much for that arm to start dragging. Or if the arm started dragging, that could lead to injury. Or just diminished fastball velocity, and right. in the bullpen he used to bump ninety four and sit ninety ninety one. Sounds like he's not doing that anymore. Well, I, I mean, I even saw him hit ninety five a couple times okay. his freshman year out of the pen. Yeah, and he's he's down more, you know, eighty nine, ninety, ninety one. And but the the real problem with the fastball is the command isn't there. Right. He's not commanding the fastball. I thought his I thought his curve looked the best that I've seen it in a while. Actually, on Friday night, it's just. You know, he's unable to, to execute, make the pitches when he needs to make them, and, and Miami capitalized on that. And so UNC does have definitely a, a glaring problem in the bullpen because, you know, Trevor Kelly can't pitch every inning of every game, and, you know, they need to find another reliever that they trust. I think Nick Rocchetta, the freshman there, is mm-hmm. starting to, to maybe move up the pecking order a little bit. Zach Rice is another lefty that they have who was a, a strikeout machine for them last year and right. could could possibly be that guy. Um, Spencer Trainer too is another guy that could throw throw himself in that mix. I mean, he's a 93-94 kind of arm. Occasionally, he drops his arm slot a little bit, right. know, throws in some frisbees. But um, you know, coming into this year, you'd think UNC's bullpen would be a strength, absolutely. With all the arms that they had, and it's been kind of shocking to see that the the, the struggles so far. But, it's their it's their biggest weakness uh, is, is clearly their bullpen. I mean, like you lose Wood Myers and you have an injury at shortstop, you think that would have been a problem for them. Right. And, and so they've gotten better defensively since then. They've uh, shored, shored some things up, but it's been on the mound. Uh, Jim, what would you, uh, and then Mike, you can weigh in too. What was your take on, on the Hurricanes? Uh, what impressed you most about Miami? Uh, I know Zach Collins, when he hits them, he, he hit stays hit. Way, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, just the, just, I would say just the overall tenacity of that team. I mean, they, you know, they, they took several, uh, you know, gut punches in that game. I mean, both teams did, to be sure, but I mean, 
you know, they, they get the lead in the top of the ninth. You know, Brian Garcia can't hold it. They take the lead again in the tenth. Garcia gives it up again, and they, you know, they finally uh, finally able to hold him off in the, in the bottom of the eleventh. But I mean, I mean, yeah, Collins was was really was also he made he made the biggest blow. I mean, yeah, you kind of want. I mean, Andy Suarez, which I guess he is Andy now, no no longer Andrew. That's but, right. Uh, Andrew Suarez is not walking through that door, but. Uh, I mean, he obviously he struggled. He kind of was not commanding the fastball on Saturday, but um, you know, obviously Thomas. I wasn't there on Friday, but Thomas Woodry threw well. He's kind of not the. He wouldn't really you expect Suarez to kind of retake that Friday role at some point. But I mean, the, you know, Suarez keeps giving. I mean, um, Woodry, Woodry keeps giving good good outings, so so they'll keep it the way it is. But um, I mean, they, they look at that series. I mean, they pretty much got outplayed in really most facets other than bullpen. I mean, they. I mean. Um, like I said, uh, Woodry was good on Friday, but Zach Allen probably outpitched him. And, and Woodry's, then, just, um, Woodry's like, like the classic Miami yeah. Friday starter, which and is Suarez the, only last three innings. The, you know, Enrique Sosa gets yeah. knocked around Sunday. I mean, so but I mean, overall, the, I mean, the, obviously it's a very tough lineup, very scrappy lineup. They got guys that can run at the top of the top there with uh, Chester and Eusebio. So they got and next to Carolina, when I saw, they did a pretty good job of keeping those guys off base. So it's kind of impressive that they were able to manufacture things without that. And I think. It was one. I think it was their tenth inning rally. Actually, it, it was Eusebio finally did get on, and that was when they were able to make something happen and take the lead. But uh, so they, they can beat you different ways. They got those guys that can run. So they got guys that can hit it out with Collins and you know Willie Abreu. But um, it feels like and, uh, Abreu and Collins are going to probably get hot at some point. Exactly. Right? Yeah, they, but until they do, David Thompson's kind of doing David a nice Thompson, job of carrying yes, the, things uh, himself. Yeah. Right. Who a walk off? A guy named David Thompson should not hit a walk off home run against NC State. But uh, <laughs> that, was, that was what happened. But um, Anyway, he's he's been obviously he's been scorching hot, and uh, so I mean they, it's a very it's a versatile lineup. It's a deep lineup. That's probably been their 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 carrying tool so far. But um, you know we'll we'll see how that uh, you expect the pitching to get better. I mean Suarez how, isn't going to come out after three innings every week. Right, right. How so. would you like the U this weekend, Mike? A pretty good look at the at Jim Morris's club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought. I mean, I got a good look at Woodry on Friday. And uh, I mean, like like you guys were saying, I mean he's he's a good college arm. I mean he's gonna throw strikes. He's you know 85 tops with the fastball. He's not right. gonna throw much harder than that. Right. But his changeup was was on point. It was you know 70s 71 or so. He was getting hitters you know swinging like some Bugs Bunny type swings. You know. Yeah. So it. it you know he's he's definitely you know serviceable. He's definitely good in that rotation. He's been a rock for them so far this year. And that is Miami's stock and trade. The yeah. mid '80s left-hander who throws a lot of strikes has that good changeup and is that JD Arteaga mold. I mean, it's yeah. just it's been going on for 15 years with Jim Morris there, and it'll go on until he leaves. Yeah, and I mean he uh, he was very efficient too. He came into the seventh inning with only 65 pitches. Wow. So hey, things kind of unraveled a little bit. There was a call that didn't go his way at first base on a sack bunt, and then. Corey Dunbar hits a homer to center field, which Corey Dunbar's been really hot for for North Carolina. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean he's he's more than serviceable. You know, Suarez did not look good Saturday. He he was fortunate that he only gave up. I think it was just the one run through through three innings. Um, he faced a couple of bases loaded jams. The fastball command wasn't there for him, and it, it was more around 89, 90. Um, and hmm. He wasn't really touching anything higher than that throughout the game. Uh, his slider looked good. The curve was was inconsistent at times. It had a decent snap to it, but other hmm. times it it kind of just floated up there. Um, so that's that's a little concerning. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses coming back from 
from that injury. Right. Enrique Sosa on Sunday. I didn't see him, but you look at the stat line, it's not very pretty. And, you know, he's a guy who's got to keep the ball down. He's a sinker-slider guy. and He didn't last long. He did not last long. He The UNC uh, maybe a little anger after blowing the, the previous two <laughs> games, but they got to him early and often. So, I don't know. There, there There's some question marks in that rotation. I think I do like their bullpen. Um, I, I think even though Brian Garcia blew a save, I think he's a, a quality closer for them. I think Cooper Hammond is a submariner, yeah. a right-hander who's... Coach Morris has always done that, too. Yeah, he's he's filthy. He, he flipped in a few 64, 65-mile-per-hour breaking balls that were... I don't know how you hit those. But, uh, you know, I and I do like the lineup. Um, Zach Collins, you know, he does need to get going. The, he does literally have light tower power because he did hit the, the light tower... Right uh, at Boshmer Stadium, so that was that was certainly good to see for him if he can get his his swing going this year. It hasn't really been there for him, you know. After hitting 11 homers this year, I would have thought he would have had like 30 by now or something <laughs> right. ridiculous with the new ball. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely. We thought coming into this year that they're going to hit, and they have been hitting, and I think they'll continue to hit. It's just a matter of they can get healthy Andy Suarez, get him pitching to his capability. and I like I like Andy. Yeah. I like Andy over mm-hmm. Andrew. I do, I think, too. I think we're going to stick with that. has um, a better ring to it. It does a little bit. There's a little bit less formal, a little yeah. more colloquial Andy. Yeah. So I think he'll, whichever one he pitches better under, he'll, uh, that, yeah. that's the one he's going to stick with. So if Andy's at 90-91, but Andrew's back at 95, he'll probably wind up back at Andrew. But <laughs> the stats still call him Andrew, so we'll see how that plays out over the course of things. Um, but yeah, definitely. So those two leagues are pretty top heavy. The Pac-12 seems like it has a little bit better depth of top teams, guys. Uh, I know Arizona's schedule's been a little bit soft to this point, but a nice series sweep for them against Oregon. The Ducks are in trouble from being in our top ten to being two and seven in the league. There's a pretty good defined top tier of this league as well. UCLA eight and one leads the league. They've won eight straight games. Uh, you've got five teams in the league with twenty or more wins. Arizona State's the other team that only has 18, but is off to a 7-2 and two start in the league, guys, and they're uh, you know, holding steady in our rankings at number 11. Anything from the Pac-12 really stand out to you guys this weekend? I mean, I know Cal keeps on winning uh, series even without. Uh, they're going on the road this weekend with Utah without Dalton Jeffries, but uh, they, you know, it seems like steady as she goes for, for Cal. Uh, any of these, any of these uh, teams stand out for you? Anything stand out in the Pac-12 for you this weekend, Mike? Yeah, well... Uh... It's funny. I mean, talking to David Esker, the the head coach over at, at Cal, you know, he thinks that the Pac-12 is absolutely stacked this year. He 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 said he could see six or seven teams earning a, a regional bid out of that conference, and you know that remains to be seen. But I think starting with Cal, Lucas Erceg has yeah. been, you know, he had another phenomenal weekend for them. Last weekend against Washington, he hit the game-winning home run, the go-ahead shot in the eighth inning, and both Friday and Saturday against Washington. And then homered again the next day. This weekend, he homers in the first two games of this series, adding two more. And uh, he tripled on Sunday. You know, couldn't quite get it out of the yard, but he's electric. He's he's been great for them. You know, he he's really stepped up in his sophomore year. You look at Chris Paul; he's having a great senior year for them. Um, they have Brett Cumberland as a freshman catcher. He he homered a couple times this weekend, and he's he's batting cleanup for them. And he's really been a, a great bat and. You know they should get Dalton Jeffries starting on the mound soon. He's he's doing better now. He just was battling a little tendonitis, but okay. if they get him back, you know, it's as soon as this week probably, um, if not the week after, 
you know, they have a, a decent pitching staff. I think they're they're a force to be reckoned with in that league. And, you know, you look at Arizona State, they've all year long, I think the word that describes Arizona State best is just a really gritty, yep. gutty kind of team. I mean, it's a team that maybe it's not the most talented team in the Pac-12, but they just they don't like to lose. They just they come back. They a lot of walk-off wins for them this year and, you know, there's there's something to be said for that. You know, I think there's a lot to be said team. for that. They are they are, they are a, they are definitely a team that you have to get all 27 outs against them. Yeah. If they're 26, they're still if they still have a pulse. And we've seen that with North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's actually, they've been their best trait under Mike Fox recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but Arizona State that's certainly something that Tracy Smith had at in his, in his days at Indiana. He's definitely taken that with him to Arizona State. Uh, one thing I'll throw in on Cal. Well, two things. Number one, I was wrong. I forgot that they put lights in there in 2013. I said that last week. They do have lights at Evan Diamond, Evans Diamond now, better late than never. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, I, I will always have to admit that I have this soft spot for the Bears with their high number of Greek-American players <laughs> on this team. And while they've Nick Hallamandris has fallen out of the uh, we, uh, out of the a starting role, Dennis Karras is starting to play a little bit. And Karras is usually a Greek last name, especially when it's with a K. Mm-hmm. And they have John Sotteropoulos, who I think his cousin Pete. I still play... Uh, Pete's very good defensively at words with friends. So okay. Pete's always Pete was a 2004 Greek Olympic team member. So yeah. he can thank me for getting him on that team. It had nothing to do with his ability. Everything to do with me finding his name. But uh, you know, Ryan Mason has kind of been this guy as uh, for for three four years who's just been very steady in their weekend rotation. Eats up a lot of innings for them. Uh, ground ball kind of guy. Uh, that it doesn't feel like Cal's going to go away anytime soon. And Jim, USC and Oregon State are only four and two in the league, but those teams, uh, you know, have been very, very consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've you're, you've been more of our bubble watch kind of stock report kind of guy. How do these teams kind of? How's the Pac-12 faring in the RPI, and who are the, who has the inside track in this league to hosting and and maybe being a, a top eight national seed? Seems like UCLA, I guess. Is still at the top because they played a pretty stout non-conference schedule. Yeah, UCLA is definitely up there. I think uh, you'll see where you'll see where Cal is. Well, because Arizona State strength of schedule is very. That should be very. Yeah, they, they're, they're four. Should be looking very at high. it, uh, yeah, looking at it on, on Warren Nolan, they're four in strength of schedule and eight in the RPI ranking. So those two teams seem like they have the inside track. But I guess you kind of wonder. I guess I'm wondering talent-wise if they mm-hmm. can hold off. Say an Oregon State if they get hot with this freshman-heavy yeah. team. Um, or a USC, which clearly has had a, a good start to the year. Oregon State and Oregon both are a little bit lower in, in your RPI than you kind of would like to see just in terms of the schedule. Yeah, Oregon. <laughs> yeah. I mean. We're building a we, Jim Schoenard uh, soundboard. Oh, no, we've got no, no, soundboard. We've got but, uh, I mean, you know, look at this. I mean, even in the, you know, David Peterson's getting knocked around now. I mean, they're not holding as yeah, got hit hard by Arizona. I mean, Arizona is a good offensive team, but that is that is. I mean, I don't really think it was, we we kind of wrote in our recaps. Their defense just imploded. Yeah. Like in I think all at least two of the games they lost, if not all three. But um, I'm a real big fan of that, of that Arizona lineup. Yeah, um, so it's not seen them. I mean, so it's not a, it's not an embarrassing series loss on just as it just in a vacuum. But I mean, the way they lost and to get swept. That is that was that is not a good look. The fact they lost three straight series, I mean, not a good look. It is. Obviously, they've still got. I mean, they do have a good series win at UCSB, so that's they've got that going for them. But they have not. You know, I mean, they're they two and seven. They're they two and seven. They're seventeen, eleven. And I mean, it's there are 
way they're falling down the pecking order. They, that's for sure. They, I mean, they're still high in the RPI because they played a good note because they played a bunch of road games. But uh, I mean, they I think what first three four weeks or so of the season or so, and they, that was when they were you know, when they were healthy. They were you know they were pretty much at full strength and everything. So they were you know they won a bunch of games. I think what let's see whether yeah they're well they're I mean after this weekend they're just eight and seven on the road. But they, they started hot, so that was. Um, you know, good for obviously one three out of four at Hawaii. They went one at UCSB, but uh, really last th- few you, weeks it's you, you uh, kind of think, Jim. At that point, they go, they win that series at UCSB on the road, and Cole Irvin's coming off as Tommy John. You kind of feel like their momentum would start going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of went in the wrong direction. Now, Mike, I'm just looking at the rest of this league. So Arizona sweeps them. Now Arizona's got uh, three of its first four league series at home with Utah, Oregon, and now this week USC. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw USC, a veteran team, pretty good weekend rotation for for the Trojans. Uh, again, on the mound, feels like that's where Arizona's a little bit shy. Right. And Arizona hasn't played a great schedule. The Oregon series is clearly their best uh, series win. They had the series loss at home to Rice, and then they went on the road against Mississippi State and lost a couple of those games, and those don't look as good anymore. But how, how does Arizona kind of match up with USC? It feels like that's a pretty important series for the Wildcats because – then they go on the road for at ASU and uh, Oregon State. Feels like Arizona kind of has to start making some hay here. And what kind of what's your take on the Trojans? How they've capitalized since uh, the big Dodger Town uh, weekend for them? Yeah, I mean the Trojans haven't slowed down so far. You know they're continuing. I keep hearing great things about about Garrett Stubbs, their their catcher there. I mean even. Uh, uh, Dave Esker, the, the Cal head coach, was like, "Yeah, Garrett Stubbs. He's one of the the top igniters in the, in this league. You know, one of the top one of the top bats. So he's been he's been great for them, and and the pitching continues to be good for them. And you know, I I think they have staying power. I think this is going to be the year that they get back to the tournament. And I I think you look at this Pac-12, and I, I think that I mean the top of the SEC is still." You know the top in the country in our poll. Right. But I think you look at the depth of this Pac-12, and I think you can make an argument that might be the deepest conference in college baseball this year. I mean, the Ducks are showing some some quacks in the armor <laughs> right now, but uh, I, I need I needed to throw that pun in there. I've, I've been holding holding oh, it for a while. I wish Josh Norris were here for that. Need both him of the, for that. If you need him in the audience, here. from the pun part and the Oregon part, that was outstanding. That was <laughs> but, outstanding. But outside of them, I mean, you look you look UCLA, look at USC. I mean, Arizona. I mean, you you got a good look at them when you were in Arizona. You know, they they can hit. They can and, really hit, and it's. You know, it's going to be interesting to watch how this all shakes out. Um, I still think, uh, in terms of in terms of depth, in terms of the veteran presence, I think UCLA uh, has a good chance to to be the top team in that league. But uh, you can't you can't argue with what the Trojans have done so far, and Arizona State isn't far behind either. Right, I mean, they've they've been really impressive this year to me, just from a the competitive and, standpoint. And Brett Lillick's pitching really well through nice seven innings on Sunday. That's a pretty good Sunday yeah. starter. A power left-handed, experienced arm that you could yeah. throw on Sunday. Well, he hadn't been pitching well right. before then, so that's that's a really big development for them. I mean, I absolutely. Think I, I I looked it up last week. I, I think he was averaging yeah four few, innings. Yeah, yeah, about four innings of start, which. You know, you need more than that, obviously. So him, if he can get going, he has the stuff to, to be a very good Sunday starter. That's a them. big development for them because that's a guy they were counting on coming into the year. So if they get him yeah. closer to the form they expected, uh, Arizona State's going to be dangerous. The, the, the Wildcats, you know, Kevin Newman is uh, really, you know, living up to his billing. The guy's at 377 over the last two years in the Cape. Yeah. So he's going to be a first-round pick if he keeps playing like this. And, right. you know, he, he's got more walks and strikeouts. He's hitting 420. The buzz out there on Scott Kingery was great. The scouts out there who were there to see 
Newman, who've all been following him all year, have all been woken up to Scott Kingery. He's hitting 450 Newman. plus right now. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the that's the reaction they've all had. You know, he's, he's, but he's you know, it's only hitting 426. You're 27 yeah. points behind Kingery. So I think it'll be fascinating as as USC, which just kind of held down. You know, US, not like UW has a great offense, yeah. but USC gives up what like 10 runs all weekend to Washington. Very and, few yeah, of those. A in lot the, of what, yeah. 15 shutout or. They gave up, uh, yeah, it was 15 shutout innings, yeah, and then they yeah. gave up a couple in the 16th, but yeah. Yeah, crazy. I mean, that was a crazy game. It was a crazy box score to look at, the 15, yeah. the 15 scoreless inning game, <laughs> and then the three, in the three in the top of the 16th and two in the bottom. Yeah. Um, very strange uh, series. Uh, I, I, series. I have to get in my, 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 my Ray Tanner impersonation, but I'm looking forward to that USC-Arizona uh, matchup. That's going to be a good matchup, and I agree with you. I think the Pac-12... Is a little bit deeper in terms of uh, teams that are threats to go to Omaha. Yeah. I mean, like if if any of those three top SEC teams don't go to Omaha, I think we'll all be shocked. Yeah. But uh, it'd be a you can't pick. I got to say four because Florida is definitely in that conversation. Um, but it'd be it'd be a surprise if one of the other teams in the league did. Whereas the Pac-12, I guess I'd be surprised if UCLA wasn't good enough to get to Omaha by mm-hmm. the end of the year. But any of these other teams we talked about uh, could get there and. Uh, uh, the other team, we, we haven't talked much about this league this year. We should probably hit on the Big 12 real quick, guys, because uh, Texas steps out of conference and loses to Nebraska. TCU remains at the top. We moved Oklahoma State up, and then we talked a little bit about them last week, about how they've played well. But this is the opposite of these other leagues. This is not a deep league. This league looks like the top. They kind of are who we thought they were. Four Big 12 teams that we had ranked high early, and Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, I haven't seen an Oklahoma or a Baylor or those kind of teams step forward and the collective RPI of this league, uh, Jimmer. When you got West Virginia, uh, you know, I mean, not West Virginia, Kansas and Kansas State were really struggling. Mm-hmm. Baylor under 500. This you saw a couple of these teams in the Big 12 in the uh, in the Houston College Classic. This league seems like it's a four bid league. Am I crazy, or is there a possible fifth bid here? Uh, yeah. I mean, let me. I mean, yeah. I think we had it as four. I think Oklahoma was one team that was kind of on the borderline. I remember. And we were kind of looking at those, you know, in the preseason, you had the four top teams with Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, and um, Texas Tech. Right. And then you kind of had Oklahoma in the middle, and then another gap to the bottom four. And that's, I mean, we'll say, I mean, that's pretty much how it's shaping up. And Oklahoma's RPI is very low. They're at 93. Yeah, they're down there. And then West Virginia actually is actually pretty high in the RPI, mostly because they I played a lot on the road, and then, um, but I mean that's, I mean they're off to a decent start, but uh, I mean it's there's you don't really see more than I can't see more. Yeah, it's really just those four teams plus you know see what Oklahoma does. I mean they're eighteen and twelve, but they've kind of hit the skids a little bit. But I mean that's um, yeah, I'd say that league is pretty much what we what we thought it would be. Um, yeah, there hasn't been a surprise. There really, there really hasn't been a surprise there. And then when you look at the Big Ten, that's another league we talked about in the preseason as a league that we thought would have more teams to regional than you're used to. Maybe that was part of that was just adding Maryland and, and Rutgers, but not necessarily that Rutgers was the factor here. But there are more teams, so a higher probability. But Nebraska comes back into our top 25 rankings, well, back in first time this, this year by winning that series against Texas. Uh, Old Big 12 grudge match, but they sweep that series. They win, to, uh, they win a game midweek against Cal State Fulton's. They split that series. You've got Nebraska off to a great start in the league. Maryland is off to a good start in the league. Illinois is off to a great start overall. 
Uh, Indiana has had a great, you know, a, a good start, but before uh, this weekend happened, and, and this weekend happened as they get swept by Iowa. Uh, this league looks very deep very and competitive, good. guys. Yeah. And I'm not sure how the RPI is going to shape up, but this league feels like it's got five or six regional caliber teams. I'm not sure how many bids necessarily they're going to get, but from a regional caliber standpoint. Jim, I mean, like, I like this league. I still like this league. We're seven weeks in. I still mm-hmm. like this league even a little bit more than I used to like it. Exactly, yeah. And I think I, when I wrote up uh, Iowa for Weekend Preview, I, I, I quoted Rick Heller in there saying the, you know, the Big Ten is this is the best he's seen it. And that's a guy that's been in the Midwest his whole uh, his whole coaching career. And Right. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, obviously, adding Nebraska and Maryland has is a, is a, been a big plus for the league as a whole, but... I mean, it's. I mean, all these programs have, have stepped up. I mean, Michigan State has stepped up. I mean, they're there's five hundred, but I mean, they've stepped up that program in recent years. Uh, Illinois has gotten better. We, you know, we've talked a lot about Indiana over the years. I mean, it, Michigan has obviously got a. You know, they've got a. They've hosted a regional recently, and I think. Um, I think it, I'm correct. I believe it's so. We've had three straight years of a Big Ten team hosting a regional with right. uh, Indiana the last two years and Purdue the year before. And I mean, I think. I mean, I think I would bet on it being they're going to make it four straight. I mean, to me, I think uh, Nebraska would be a very attractive candidate because they're I'll say they've got the great ballpark. They draw yep. five thousand fans a game, and um, obviously they haven't hosted in a few years. I'm sure they would NCAA would probably love to get one back there. And if they, I would, if they win the Big Ten or whoever wins the Big Ten, assuming they, I don't think Iowa probably doesn't have the facilities. If they were to, they were to do it, but any of those other teams, I, I would bet on whoever wins the Big Ten regular season hosting a, uh, a regional again. Cause, uh, I, I agree, and they might get two. I'm just looking mm-hmm. at some RPIs in the Big Ten. So Iowa, I mean, it's seven weeks. We're halfway mm-hmm. through the regular season. Iowa's up at 11 yeah. in the RPI. That's crazy. Uh, so we'll elaborate more on off of your weekend preview, which proved prescient as the Hawkeyes go and, and, and sweep this series. But Iowa's at 11. Nebraska's at 18. Ohio State's 24. Illinois' 28. Michigan State's 47. And Maryland's 55. All those teams are in your kind of your at-large. And Indiana's 33, by the way. I left mm-hmm. them out. All those teams are in the at-large range from an RPI standpoint. Mm-hmm. Now, the more they play each other, and they're all northern teams and yada, yada, their RPI is going to come down. Mm-hmm. So it's that's just natural. But for now, you've got that many teams, like seven, eight teams, kind of seven teams, in this at-large mix, just for getting an at-large bid, and if Iowa keeps winning, guys, if say if one team wins, if an Iowa, Maryland, Nebraska, these kind of teams, Illinois, one wins the regular season, one wins the conference tournament, that kind of thing, I, I think you could see a couple teams here host. It, w- it would not shock me. And I guess my other point of this is that these teams are earning it by the way they're playing. And I was stunned that Iowa was able to go and sweep that series. Uh, Jim, that's you, a big you, statement for that. For that, I mean, that's a program that. Yeah, they've only they been to regionals. History. Yeah, they have yeah no real tradition. They've been to, which I hadn't realized they had. So they actually do have a College World Series trip in their history in uh, 1972 or something like that. Wow, upset! I did yeah, exactly. not know. I but, did uh, not know that. that but they've is, only ever been weird. to only ever been to regionals two other times in the you know hundred years or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean to go and sweep Indiana, I mean that's a big deal. And Rick Keller talked a lot about their you know how much excitement there is in there. You know. You know, they've done some investing in their ballpark. They've put in a new playing surface, and they're putting up a new scoreboard and all that kind of deal. So, 
you know, the, the Big Ten Network money is uh, making a difference there. But um, yeah, and you had a big time pitching matchup on mm-hmm. a Saturday in that league with that in that series with Kelzer against Hickman. Exactly. You know, Kelzer got that big time slider and had some late draft helium last year when he was draft eligible. <coughs> Excuse me. So Indiana loses the first game, but they still have Kelzer and Efros, and they wind up getting swept. And Efros doesn't even last, last out of the first inning. So. That was no joke in my mind that Iowa wins that uh, sweeps that yeah. series. Um, and the fact they've been doing it with pitching, I mean that's that's it. That's a re- I mean that was a that was the big problem for them last year. I mean they could they could hit and they got a lot of those guys back. I mean I thought that team looked intriguing in the preseason mostly because of the the hitters they had back, but they, they've been doing it with pitching and that's that's been impressive. And Tyler Payton is I guess is the, kind of the other guy who throws a complete game shutout. Uh, this was a two way guy last year hit three thirty three or three thirty for for Iowa. And uh, yeah, I don't think you. I think they expected him to be a contributor, but I don't think they expected him to be their Friday guy. And that's Hickman's the converted catcher, the top 100 prospect. I mean, that's kind of the guy they were expecting to be the Friday guy. But uh, Peyton's been tremendous, and it just uh, I think it's really impressive for them to to sweep that series um, when they had some expectations and they knew it was a big deal, and they come through and execute with it. You know, Rick Heller did a nice job in Northern Iowa. Pretty sure he took them to regionals. Uh, Indiana State, you know, Shamanaya as a first-round pick, where do you think that came from? Rick Heller, you know, the the prospects and the talent that he brought there and regional biz they brought there. And now he's doing it in Iowa. Uh, very, very impressive uh, coaching resume for a guy who I don't think has ever really thought of that way. And you kind of wonder, um, and maybe I shouldn't think of it this way, but to me Rick Heller is the kind of guy that if you're an ACC or an SEC school and you've got a lot of money to spend on a baseball program and you're looking for a coach who can really go win – and build a program. This is a guy who could do it. And I don't know how much money Iowa spends on baseball coaches' salaries or what their ceiling is, but I'm guessing it's lower than an SEC or ACC school. So mm-hmm. I don't know if Rick Heller would ever leave the Midwest because he's been in that Iowa in footprint for a long time. I thought that the Iowa job, I remember talking to him a long time ago, how the Iowa job was his dream job then. Mm-hmm. And now he's uh, making that dream a, a pretty impressive reality. So uh, I'm just very impressed with him and the job they did. And that's a huge series sweep for them. Uh, I don't know if that... Mike, if you wanted to weigh on on that or anything else in the Big Ten, but that was a that was a, uh, a hashtag statement. They're not even a team with state in the uh, sure. in their in their name, but a hashtag statement for them. All, all I can say is obviously Jim has the magic touch and weekend preview. You know, he's written about Missouri too. And now he's That's writing it. about writing yeah. about Iowa. I think if you're a head coach and you get a call from Jim Schoner this week, you should you should expect <laughs> big things. Exactly. I like that. I like that. I like that thought process and. We did bring in, uh, we brought in Coastal Carolina, another Jim Schoner exactly. pick. Yeah, he just wrote a big feature on their stadium. So That's right. And we brought, he's got the magic touch, the Midas touch. And then we brought in San Diego. That's the little, that, that, I'm going to give you some credit for that. You okay. saw San Diego when they, start, when they just started getting rolling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess you saw them midweek against uh, Cal State Fullerton, yeah, right? I saw them near the end of that role where they won, I think it was... I think it was six of seven road games, and it was all against ranked opponents at the time. Of course, they were Texas and Mississippi State, which right. they're not ranked anymore. But at the time, it was very impressive, and they've been—they started off two and six. They've been fourteen and three since then. And uh, you know, it's a talented team, and it's a team that's doing it differently than they have in years past. They don't have Chris Bryant there anymore. You know, crushing balls out of the ballpark. Uh, I thought it was—it was funny. I—I I, I talked to Rich Hill, their head coach, uh, about that, and he—he he was like, "Yeah, man, Chris Bryant really picked the wrong time to to play to, <laughs> to play here, didn't he? You know, because I mean, he's still hitting, you know, what thirty-one home runs and 
Indeed, he did in a in a dead ball kind of era. So there's he, no there's no wrong time for Chris Bryant. We'll just yeah. put it that way. Every time's yeah. the right time for that guy, even though he was uh, sent down today to AAA <laughs> for the first couple weeks of the season, which makes all kinds of sense. It tells right. you how dumb that so the world is. the world is still on its axis. Are you sure? It yeah. is. I know. It's amazing. Huh? We're still spinning. Yeah. So, but no, San Diego. I mean, they're doing it with pitching and defense. With obviously. Uh, you know, Kyle Holder, Kyle Holder, um, mm. John's man crush Monday. Uh, Kyle Holder. Yeah, he's he's anchoring he's so that defense, cute. and they have the <laughs> they have the Hill brothers um, pitching really well to one of the pen, one one in the in the weekend rotation. So they're you know they have talent. A lot of JUCO transfers filling in the gaps on that team. And that's kind of the other thread that goes through here. And I've talked to some scouts about this this year, just the way that, you know, again, and it goes back to the coaching thing we just were talking about, or that I was railing about, ranting, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more pressure on these coaches to win. We talked yeah. about with Jack Leggett. There's more pressure to win. Yeah. And that means less time for development and less time spent on freshmen and sophomores if you don't necessarily trust them. And you're going to go see more junior college recruiting. And I think that's going to happen more and more. Yeah. Uh, junior colleges, I've always said, is a great option if you're coming out of high school and you'd rather play pro ball, you don't really necessarily want to go to school, uh, but you'd rather play baseball, well, you're going to play more at a junior college. Right. Um, as a freshman, it's easier to play there because you'd have less competition from juniors and seniors, and they play fewer restrictions, more practice time, more games in the fall. Yeah. Um, I, I always thought it was a great option for uh, – I've told parents this for years. Um, and now you see uh, a team like San Diego going out and doing it yeah. with uh, junior college guys – that tells you this trend's not going anywhere. And I'll just point out that Kyle uh, Holder is now hitting 389, mm-hmm. more walks and strikeouts. He's made one error all year. And I had two different scouts this weekend. One gave him an eight range, one gave him a seven. Yeah. And both put, well, one guy put seven on his arm. The other one was a little bit less sanguine on his arm strength. But this guy's probably the best defensive player in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the best defensive shortstop. So he's the best defender at the most important defensive position, if you ask me. So. This is a carrying tool, like you're talking about, Jim. And, and they, they've got multiple ways to beat you, too. Uh, it's a very good offensive team. Uh, Riley Adams is an impact freshman uh, when he's healthy. And uh, this team's just, you know, I, I like the look of the of the Toreros. That's uh, not the only reason. We all like the look of the Toreros. That's why they're back in the in the top it, 25. It took them so a while to get over the uh, the Moorhead State series. They had, they had to make up some ground. It did. To get, uh, get back in our good graces. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, that's a that's been a consistently successful program. I mean, they've done it different. I mean, we kind of think back to when I first started here. There was during the uh, the Brian Mattis days. They're all about pitching, and then Brian, um, I think Brian Mattis is about to get traded in the big leagues. Did he get uh-oh. traded this weekend? I mean, I missed it. Uh, uh, he, he did give up a homer to Alex Rodriguez. So, I, I, that, I, that Mark's saying, got to get rid of him then. That, <laughs> but, that, uh, I think I think that's what the Orioles are thinking. But there's a decent but, uh, amount of uh, there's a decent amount of Brian Mattis um, buzz that he's going to get traded in the major leagues this year. So. He hasn't worked out mm-hmm. the way that we but, thought uh, he would out of college, but they were a pitching yeah, program. Yeah, back when then. I first started here, they were it was all about those guys, and then so they get Bryant and they become a you know an offensive powerhouse. And we've just kind of been waiting for them to <clears throat> you know kind of have that break. Obviously, they've won a lot of games. They've won, they've won a lot. They've had great regular seasons. They've just kind of been waiting for them to actually you know actually do it in the postseason. That's kind of been the one uh, the one missing missing link in their uh, in their resume. Well, speaking of missing links in the resume, uh, let's just finish up with uh, we have some podcast questions to get to, but who, teams that were just outside the top 25 that didn't get in, Nevada, the quick hit, I guess, on them, uh, we would know how offensive they are, but Mike, basically they didn't get in because they haven't played anybody. I have them written right. down as Pacific, Cincinnati, UNLV, Abilene Christian, Fresno State, New Mexico. Just not a yeah. great 
resume for this team, but offensively they're about as as good as it gets in college baseball this year. Yeah, I mean it's it's they really you look at their schedule and they're not really going to play anybody. Um, right. So, I mean, in order to get in the top twenty-five, they're just going to have to keep winning. Honestly, I mean, it's going to be volume of wins. Yeah, eventually. volume of wins more than anything. I mean, their strength of schedule isn't probably not going to be there. Who's a volume score? I'm thinking like if you hear that term so much for volume, volume scorers score. in college. Uh, T.J. Warren was that kind of guy last yeah, year exactly. in college basketball. Uh, yeah. Dominique Wilkins was a volume scorer. He needed needed his shots back in the yeah. day. Uh, this is a volume. Uh, they're gonna have to do it with volume wins, and they score yeah. in volumes too. They do score. They have. Yeah. They have. They're a volume home run team with Ryan Howell and Austin Byler. Uh, this tremendous uh, middle of the uh, middle of the lineup tandem. Kentucky was close. I guess Florida Atlantic. That's the other team that we kind of. Yeah, we kind of had. They're just kind of on the around. radar every every week. Yep. We just yeah. haven't had the kind of the breakthrough weekend for them. Yeah, losing. Losing fourteen to three to Texas San Antonio this weekend isn't uh, isn't a great loss. It's, if you're, you're going to have one loss, don't have it be fourteen to three. <laughs> that that was uh, that was a big part of the problem. That's, that's, so a, that's a giant stinker right that, there. That did not help their cause. Well, yeah. uh, podcast questions. Paul Norwine, uh, self styled Baseball America podcast enthusiast, emailed us last week about uh, uh, being a Purdue season ticket holder. So he's very excited about the uh, the Hawkeyes coming into West Lafayette this weekend. Which that's gotta be the first time anyone has ever said that or emailed us. So. I was wondering if this was the first time Iowa's ever been on our uh, top twenty-five worksheet. I think that probably, probably first is. Time ever. But uh, his main question: uh, he, a week after not being impressed by Kentucky or Mississippi State, he sees Kentucky go and then win a series at LSU. He'll ask again: Is the SEC overrated? I guess I would say I don't think they're overrated this year or any year. They're just they, the proof's been in the pudding for that program, that, that league. But maybe I, I do think it's fair to say we think it's a little top-heavy league this year. Is that a consensus yeah. in this nook? Yep. Yeah, I think, I don't know, it's kind of strange because the first couple of weeks of the season they looked like the by far the deepest league in the country, and then things have since then kind of uh, polarized a little bit with uh, with the top obviously looking a lot stronger than the rest of that the rest of that conference. But uh, I don't think they're overrated. I think the top of that, that conference is still the, the top in the country. Yeah, I think the you know four top four teams in the SEC are in the top four, and then we don't have anyone else until South Carolina at eighteen. So I think they're, and they're fairly properly rated. Yeah. Um, now Paul also has watched a lot of Arizona State this year, both in person yeah. in Arizona and on the live stream. It is his opinion that Tracy Smith has them believing like he got IU to believe. My opinion is ASU would take a three game series from any team in the country. Your thoughts, Jim? I guess to me it's a it's a matchup issue. With mm-hmm. Kellogg and Lillick, if they're going well and you're a lefty loaded lineup, it's going to be tough. Um, but I don't see a ton of pitching depth necessarily from Arizona State, and it feels like if you're, they're not the kind of team that can really get into a slugfest with a team. Like if a Nevada got some runs on the board, Arizona State's probably not a slugfest kind of team. Um, no, what's, your, I mean, what's your take on the on the Sun Devils? Yeah, I mean they can hit, but they're built more to win five to four than ten to nine. Right, I, you know, I think that's kind of. Where they're at, I mean, obviously they do have they do have some they do have some talent. I mean, Brian Servant hit a couple home runs, and we like Colby Woodmancy, who also has another awesome name. But uh, it's a fun name to say. For but sure. um, yeah, I mean, that's it, uh, Jordan Boyd just has been a kind of a valuable two way guy for them. You know, kind of in that middle relief role, and uh, so we do like Ryan Burr's got a big arm out of the bullpen. But um, Ryan I mean, Burr's name always makes me think of the uh, peanut butter, the Reese's peanut butter commercials. I think it was no, it was, just, it was some peanut butter, the Aaron Burr. The guy can't say Aaron Burr because his mouth's full of peanut butter. I don't know. That just went over my head. <laughs> that's a that's yeah. a great commercial from like ten years ago when you were yeah. twelve. So yeah. that's the problem. But it's I mean, also not funny. Yeah. 
But uh, and I think, as I recall, I think it's not a very um, it's not a very home run friendly ballpark at uh, Phoenix Muni. If I it's a bigger, it's a pro park. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bigger. Like, it's like you know, it's yeah. like the same deal as with Arizona moving to uh, like whatever to, the name uh, of the stadium is now. High Corbett. Yeah, High Corbett. But um, yeah. So I mean, if Arizona, I think Arizona State would probably take their chances against anybody at home. I think it would be, like I say, probably depend on depend on the matchups and depend on kind of just. Where the uh, it's kind of the, the the run scoring environment, as it were. Yeah, no, but I, I like the way that they have uh, developed, and the, they'd be a challenge for any team. And then, uh, Jim, is probably more of a question for you, but uh, Tucker Blankenship, long time, uh, be a uh, NC State fan, uh, wants to know if NC State can emerge. I think we've kind of uh, hit on that. Like NC State does have a chance to be that sixth or fifth ACC team, but uh, is that going to be a high scoring series them in Florida State? It feels like. I mean, the way it has Florida State pitched this weekend, it could be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, I mean, their guys were getting knocked around by Virginia Tech, so that just feels like whichever team throws more strikes wins that series. Pretty much, and that's know. the that's always the thing with Florida State. You got to throw strikes, or they you, will they will walk you to death. They definitely will. They definitely will. We also had Miles M Klotz eight on Twitter ask us what we think of UNLV. What the problem with UNLV is. I didn't even know there really was a problem with UNLV. I know one of the problems with UNLV is that Tim Chambers had back surgery. So when you lose your head coach, <laughs> that usually doesn't help. So that's one reason why they're they're two and ten in the, in the Mountain West Conference and twelve and fourteen overall. And in fact, I would say that's the number one reason. But the other reason is, and they played a little bit of a tougher schedule. Uh, you know, San Diego State's tough, Nevada's tough, Fresno State. Those are all pretty solid teams they've played. So. Um, but the number one thing for me is, and they did win that opening series against Nebraska, yep. uh, which kind of I probably think got people's hopes up a little bit. But back surgery for your head coach—that's uh, that's always difficult. And Tim Chambers, you know, uh, obviously did a great job of JC of Southern Nevada. Um, that's just a very difficult thing to overcome when you have a a guy who uh, runs your program as the identity of your program, and he's not there anymore. So. I also do want to throw in that one of his uh, former, you know, another recruit they have from JC Southern Nevada, Dylan Ellis, uh, who leads their team. He's hitting 397. If you go to their website, Dylan Ellis has got one of the best mustaches. It's like an Eric Fetty mustache from last year, but with the uh, handlebars turned up at well, the end. Might have so, Sykes Orvis beat then. It's it's uh, it's. Uh, I'm not sure if it's better than Sykes Orvis or not because I haven't seen Sykes's. Uh, this year, but it's, that's it's that's a nice. quality mustache that you that uh, Ellis has. So. I, I think at some point we're going to need to have a, a mustache mustache rankings or, or something. A mustache bracket. Yeah. Yes, I like so that idea. Scrap this. Get rid of this poster contest. Let's have a mustache contest. Yeah. Uh, don't sorry, don't, Josh Norris. I don't hurt Josh Norris's feelings. This podcast gets longer every week, but uh, we appreciate all the great feedback on Twitter. Great uh, over the email. Uh, you, you guys can shove Paul aside, our, our Purdue fan. But a great uh, podcast enthusiast, but email us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Follow Mike at mlanana on Twitter, at Jim Schoenard, BA. I'm at John Manuel, BA, or at John Manuel, BA, not ought. I'm at John Manuel, BA. Well, I'll be back next Monday with another uh, curiously long edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.